Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. It's said that up until 2019, the number of mobile phones, and at the moment there are more mobile phones on the planet than there are toilets, in fact, <laughs> the number of mobile phones and sort of information exchange things like iPads, will quadruple, quadruple in the next four years. So this is, a, this is a massively important thing, and it sort of just happened. It just happened, and we all went, yay, free software, and like I can send people pictures of my bum, <laughs> oh, cat. Um, and, you know, that's fine, because often these things you know, happen suddenly and then we catch up. But this is the time to catch up. This is the moment where we should start going, okay, this is all fantastic, but what about this? What about that? How is this actually affecting me and the people I love? What's it doing to my sense of self? And this is the thing that particularly interests me as a, as a psychotherapist, is this, this sort of thinning out of our sense of self. That it becomes... We're posting ourself onto the on Facebook and on Instagram, and our self profiles become kind of stand-ins for our actual physical body, and they're kind of easier. They're easier to manage. We can make them look pretty with a, like a little oh, a little filter there. We can airbrush out our spots, and we can mm, yeah, we can put that one, and we can delete the comments we don't like. And, you know, we can perfectly manicure our online presence, unlike our spotty, flabby, you know, real <laughs> presence, and. The other thing that's quite alarming is a wonderful book by a uh, wonderfully titled woman called Sherry Turkle, who uh, is a big big wig in MIT in America, and she did a lot of research into the internet. She was a great evangelist at the beginning, and then started to realise that there was a lot wrong with it. And her particular uh, bugbear is the fact that interpersonal relations start to suffer. So she did some research with uh, high school uh, students in America, and found that um, found that a huge number of them now refused to, to, to do any interpersonal react, uh, interactions that involve something difficult, face-to-face. So dumping someone, asking someone for money, asking for money back, asking for help. All of these things, they would rather do these by a text or an email, and increasingly would not do them face-to-face. And actually, increasingly would not even do them on the phone. They'd rather just send it at one remove. And this is also understandable, but worrying. Because being in the world, being a social being amongst other human beings, involves discomfort. That's fact. You know, the world is not designed to make you happy. The world is designed so that everybody can kind of mill around, trying to be happy and bumping into each other. Some people have sharp elbows. Sometimes the world is benevolent. Sometimes there's a shit heap. But, you know, that is the world. And actually, we need to kind of stand, you know, grow up and, and realise that the world is not always going to be pleasant and we do have to be able to tolerate discomfort and sort of go through that. And this culture of the internet is that we must never, ever feel any discomfort ever and we must never, ever wait for anything. We must have everything instantly 
and we must never feel at all socially uncomfortable. And the, the result of that is that we're completely alone. We become more and more isolated. Because unless you actually go into a bar and you actually talk to someone, the danger is you're just going to stay in the virtual world. You're going to be comparing profiles, oh, blonde hair, nice smile, but you never actually go and you never kiss the girl or kiss the boy. So the, the retreat from reality is, is worrying. And I'm you know, talking crazy, but so now I'm going to move on to the, the good news <laughs> from my point of view, which is good news, which is uh, Dharma, which is about med- meditation, and particularly mindfulness. The antidote, I personally believe, that the antidote to these problematic aspects of the internet is, of course, that's my business, is meditation. Or particularly this sort of embodied form of meditation that we call mindfulness. So the, the key to this word mindfulness is in the word, it's mindfulness. A lot of these internet experiences, although they're very stimulating, in the same way that cheese Doritos are very stimulating, they're not very nutritious. They're quite thin and papery and like plasticky, and they leave us feeling a bit queasy. The practice of mindfulness is about finding a path back into a fuller experience of being human. And this is problematic in the sense that being a full human also involves being disappointed, being embarrassed, being hurt, being shy, being timid, being wrong. But that's all right. That's, like, that's what being human is about. So mindfulness is really a very inclusive practice. But at its root is saying, whatever you experience as a human being, this is all good. This is good and proper. But try and feel it in your body. Try and embody it. Try and keep it real and not too virtual. One of the kind of underlying principles of, of Buddhism, or Dharma, is a move away from representation into reality. So letting go of ideas about things and people and actually just going, okay, what do I actually feel about this? What does this person really feel like sitting opposite me? What does this world do to me? It's a sort of opening up to a relationship with you and the world, you and people, you and societies, you and nature, whatever. So it's a relational thing. And to have a relationship, you need to have a body. You need to be embodied. And increasingly, the work that I do is, is very much about meditation, is about coming back into our bodies. One of the worrying things about, about the virtual, that our fascination with the virtual, is that it takes us further and further away from our bodies. And many of us are not very comfortable with our bodies because our bodies hurt and they get old and they ache and they sag in the wrong places. But in, in many ways, the, the thrust of meditation is to start to love reality as it is. Even if it's a bit saggy and achy, at least it's real. It's real, and when we start to pay attention to what's real, then it comes alive and it starts to feed us back. 
and one of the most chronic crimes of the internet and I'll wrap up soon so I don't talk forever one of the chronic crimes of the internet is the robbery of our attention in fact the, the internet or sort of post manufactured uh, capitalism is often called an, an attention economy it's no longer about what we make but it's about where we put our attention so do we read that newspaper or this newspaper do we go and follow that twitter feed or that twitter feed do we look at that picture of kittens or that picture of kittens the whole of the internet in many ways is about harvesting our attention because where our attention goes there lies money so the more we go somewhere the more likely we are to be able to be sold something that fundamentally is what underlies the internet. We can dress it up in any other way, but it's driven by advertising in many ways. So people want you to look at them. They want to look at your website, look at their website. So it's all about <coughs> harvesting our attention. And when you go down the seafront or to the amusement arcades in, in Scarborough, or you go on, as I just had this afternoon, being in the Tube in London, we are bombarded by demands on our attention. Look at this. Oh my god, I haven't seen that play. Oh, I haven't seen that play. <gasps> Such a cultural idiot. Oh my god, I've got a flash of lights. I need to put money into that. Oh. And that can be, it can be subtle or it can be obvious, but uh, uh, where we put our attention is where we live. The Buddha said two and a half thousand years ago, he said, attention equals life and non-attention equals death. So where what we attend to, where we bring our attention... That comes to life for us. So if we bring our attention to our body, then it starts to fill out. It starts to feel less like a problem or a thing, but more like a field of experience. When we bring our attention to our partner, our loved one's face or eyes or behavior, it stops being, oh, God, she's so And it becomes, wow, she's a real person. She has feelings. And, like, there she is. Attention brings everything alive. Attention is the kind of gold. And we squander it all the time. We're like, oh, yes, you can have my attention, Candy Crush. I'll give you all my attention for like five hours. And that's wrong. A bit moralizing, but that is unhealthy. Because where we put our attention, that is where we live. And the great thing about, the simplest thing about mindfulness practice is that it's basically training us to attend properly to choose where we put our attention. Now, I'm not going to put it on QVC. I'm going to put it on how I'm feeling, or the beautiful sun, on those clouds, or my, my, my toes, or wherever you want to put it. And so you stop being dragged around like a puppet by these kind of invisible forces of, of consumerism, really. <clears throat> and you come back into your body and you go, here I am. This is my choice to be here. And we start to feel some integrity and some wholeness again. And mindfulness is, is frustrating because it's difficult to train your attention because we've been trained to be distracted. <clears throat> but it's incredibly rewarding. And alongside you know, getting back into our attention, we also start to inhabit our bodies, which means that we can be in the world more fully. Our sense of self stops being like a Swiss cheese full of holes and it starts to feel a bit more kind of continuous, 
we're able to be in the world and interact with people in a way that's not just kind of exploitative, but actually is more kind of like, yeah, we're in a shared world. We're both sharing this, this space. And so, talk for ages on this. Um, to, to sum up, really, the internet is not necessarily a problem. It has enormous benefits, and I, and I don't want it for a minute to be like a Luddite saying, yeah, let's turn it off and not have it. But I, I do think it's interesting to find some ways, and we can perhaps talk about this when I do some Q&As afterwards, uh, to find some ways of actually stepping back from it, seeing what's going on, not being quite such a puppet. And I, and I do think the mindfulness, some sort of meditative practice, so every day you create a space where there is no distraction, there's only attention on, on the self and, and the body, is, is one of the most tried and tested ways to find some space from which we can examine this amazing phenomena without being completely struggling. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again for more podcasts from Mindsprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.